Philly Wrestling. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kevin McGuigan, and I'll be your host. We are at episode 10. In this episode, I talk with University of Pennsylvania head wrestling coach Roger Reyna. Coach Reyna is the winningest coach in the history of the Penn program. His passion for the sport and desire to help others has had a long-lasting impact on the Philadelphia wrestling community. Coach Reyna is a member of the Penn Athletics Hall of Fame. He has also been inducted into the Pennsylvania chapter of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. In addition to guiding his college program, Coach Reyna has been instrumental in creating the Pennsylvania RTC from its infancy to its current status as a premier Olympic training program. An avid mountain climber who is always seeking new challenges, Coach Reyna shares his thoughts on the current state and future of Penn Wrestling. So, Roger Reyna, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. Um, super exciting things going on all around Philadelphia and the wrestling community and at lots of levels. And appreciate you bringing a lot of this to light for more and more people. Yeah, this, I mean, a lot of, like you said, a lot of exciting things happening in the city. And, uh, you know, you're, you're at the forefront here with University of Pennsylvania and the PRTC. Um, I know you're very busy. Uh, you know, we've talked a couple of times in the last month. Uh, I know you were out climbing mountains in Ecuador. That, That's you know. right. Yeah. I, uh, climbing has actually been a, a longtime passion of mine. And um, when we were in the middle of this, you know, pandemic um, and knowing that the Ivy League had decided, you know, not to have a sea winter season this year, I started thinking about potential climbs that I couldn't do in a typical college wrestling season. And several of those pointed to South America. And um, so I'd started doing some exploring of different trips that would be available in January and, and then locked into this trip to Ecuador in, uh, in April. So it was really fantastic. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, I saw some of the pictures you shared online. I mean, just unbelievable uh, views and, you know, sunrises and sunsets and incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It takes you to some really special places. And, you know, I've shared with, uh, with a number of people, I think mountaineers are, are a lot like wrestlers, you know, they're like super tough. Um, they make the really, really hard things, you know, seem kind of easy, but they're not, um, you know, a lot of them very humble, humble people. And, uh, that kind of ties in with, you know, with our humility value at, at Penn and Penn wrestling. Um, and it was really, really physically challenging. The, the mountains we climbed were, uh, well, Kayambe was 18,900 feet. Cotopaxi was 19,300 and change. You know, so you think about the tallest mountains in the lower 48 of the United States, you know, the Colorado and 14,000 feet peaks in California and Mount Rainier in Washington. Um, so these peaks down there um, that we were on were literally a mile higher, you know, 5,000 feet higher than the highest mountain in, in the lower 48. So all kinds of interesting things, really interesting physiology of, you know, um, you know, your body acclimatizing to low oxygen environments, um, you know, and having to, you know, carry pack and, you know, uh, walk in crampons and, and work on ropes and ice axes to, you know, to get up. There was, you know, a lot of technique to it too. So again, kind of like wrestling, you know, it's uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. a lot of technique and a lot of really tough, tough-minded people. Well, it's good to have something like that. I mean, you're, you're coaching wrestling, you know, as we all know, is, is, is a challenge, you know, you, you're, you're, anytime you're coaching a sport where you got, you know, a couple dozen uh, athletes that you're kind of corralling and mentoring and you know help them to reach their goals i mean it, it, it's nice to have a little uh escape yeah. right and yeah. uh you know it, it's good that you got to do that yeah. but you jump yeah. right back into it because i think that when you got back then you were right out at u23 northeast yeah i mean actually we went um right out to the uww juniors out in iowa um so yeah, I think I was yeah, I was back like you know four or five days and and um, you know Brian Pearsall and and Brandon you know senior level guys got our our younger UWW juniors ready and um, the senior guys also competing at the open out there in conjunction um, 
so it was a, a strong tournament for us in Iowa. Mark, Mark Hall, you know, ended up, you know, winning the U.S. Open, um, which is fantastic. And uh, Ethan Lezak, you know, placing fourth, qualified for the world team trials. So it was a great tournament for us from the senior standpoint, because now we've got all but one of our senior level athletes qualified for September's world team trials. Um, and it's obviously a, uh, you know, a unique year where there's a world championships and an Olympic games in the same calendar year because yeah. Olympic games being postponed. Um, but those world team trials are going to happen Labor Day weekend. Um, and uh, in Moro Carrenti, our heavyweight, you know, has been right there knocking at, at the door. Um, he's got the last chance qualifier in July, uh, which it sounds like it's going to be run uh, in conjunction with Fargo, um, Fargo Nationals. Um, so, you know, he's got the shot to get in there and then we'll have all of our guys qualified. And, you know, then at the same time, um, you know, I had really strong placings by Lucas Ravano, you know, Camden Catholic um, high school grad. Um, Lucas took a third. Um, and then also Ryan Miller, uh, from Blair Academy, um, he advanced to the finals, um, at 57 kilos and, you know, Ryan dropped the, the two or three series in the finals, but, um, by gaining the finals and placing second, he'll represent the United States in the Pan American junior games, um, down in Mexico, um, later this month in June. So, so some strong performances and, you know, a number of guys who were rounded 12 guys and, you know, the PRTC as a group. Um, finished top four in the country as a team for the UWW juniors. So um, we're, we were pleased with progress. Um, uh, so, uh, so it was a good tournament for us. And then, yeah, just a couple of weeks later out to the U23s this past weekend in Nebraska. Yeah. And you, you took out, well, with you, with the university of Pennsylvania guys and the Drexel guys, I think there were 24 PRTC guys yeah. competing. Yeah, I, th I think we had the most entries of any RTC in the country. Um, and so, um, you know, we were really pleased, you know, Mickey O'Malley from Drexel got to the finals. Um, he also placed out at the U.S. Open a couple weeks back. And um, so he's had a you know strong run in, in freestyle. And um, and then we uh, Penn PRTC guys, we had four All-Americans and three um additionally around to 12 guys so of the 14 guys we took seven of them you know were there competing on um on the second day you know well into the second day and um, again we're seeing really strong progress so th this is pretty good because you university of pennsylvania did not and the, the whole ivy league did not compete this year so it's good to see that you know some of these guys got an opportunity to compete um, and train. So, yep. Yeah. We were, you know, we were happy with, um, with that and, and kind of lucky Kevin, because, you know, so many of our guys, um, were younger, you know, at, at this past year, we had, you know, three recruiting classes since I came back to take the program over and, and Brian Pierce all signed on, you know, as my first hire as an assistant coach. So, you know, all three have been nationally recognized recruiting classes and, um, you know, the, the fact that we were younger, you know, a lot of our guys were able to take a, a leave of absence. Um, they weren't, you know, you know, 54th or fifth year seniors, you know, bumping into the end of their career and, uh, and a season canceled, you know, so right. my heart goes out to, you know, all those kids and all those sports that, you know, that were in that situation this past year. Um, but we were kind of lucky and, you know, I think our, our guys were, you know, were really resilient. They took it the right way. Um, we had a lot of fun wrestling freestyle, you know, over the course of the year. Uh, I mean, in a, in a typical year, you, you know, you're only spending a matter of weeks, you know, wrestling freestyle, really. You, you roll out of the NCAA season and, you know, get ready for, you know, the U UWW juniors, which is usually, you know, three weeks after the collegiate season and um, the U23s maybe, you know, six, six, seven weeks after the collegiate season. So um, you got a really short window in a typical year you know, to get ready for freestyle competitions. But for us, we had more time really to invest in our guys and, you know, parterre offense and defense and, and different freestyle tactics and techniques. And, um, and we tried to have, you know, just have fun with it, you know, amidst the challenges and the, you know, the tough circumstances, um, you know, not only in sport, but just in living our lives, um, you know, this past year, you know, we just tried to have fun with, with practices and, you know, make them really positive and upbeat and, and um, I, I, you know, give our guys a lot of credit. They were, 
they were terrific, really resilient. Right. That's awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's back up a little bit. So you had mentioned that, you know, Brian Pearsall was your first hire on your comeback. All right. So let's, let's kind of go back to the beginning in your career at the university of Pennsylvania. You, you started coaching 1986. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I became the head coach in 1986. Um, I graduated in 1984. I was a, an assistant coach for two years. Um, but really, you know, did not have the intention of, of coaching as a career. So um, I had always had a strong interest in life sciences and, and wanting to be a veterinarian. And as an undergrad, I had taken most but not all the classes required to apply to veterinary school. And so when I graduated from college, that's still what I intended to do. Uh, and I was an assistant coach and enjoyed that and, and, you know, working at the vet hospital at Penn and taking the classes I needed to take to to make application. And, and then my second year as an assistant coach, um, my college coach, Larry Lockley, uh, decided to retire and he had 18 years in and, um, you know, Larry is a tremendous competitor in his own right. He was an NCAA champion for Pitt uh, under Rex Peary and, you know, right. teammates with Ed Peary and Hugh Peary and, you know, really giants of the sport at the time. Um, Ed went on to a, a tremendous coaching career at Navy um, and then Larry was an Olympian um, himself. And so, you know, when he when he retired, um, you know, the, the question was, who's going to take over? And I got asked if I was interested and um, I had to make that life choice, you know, two different, very, two very different directions um, to choose from. But, you know, I just naturally always loved working with kids and, and coaching. Um, and I thought, my gosh, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity Um you know, to consider coaching at my alma mater and, and, you know, try and create an environment for, you know, future Pennsylvania, you know, wrestlers to, you know, chase their dreams. And um, so I jumped at it. No hesitation at 24 years old, you jump right in. Yeah. I think I was at that <laughs> stage, Kevin, where I was, I was just young enough uh, not to have any fear, probably should have had plenty, but um, I was too young to have the kind of fear maybe I should have had. So, so yeah, I jumped in with both feet and, um, you know, learned a lot, you know, learned a lot about what I needed to learn, if that makes sense. Well, some and, of the guys that you were coaching, you were teammates with them. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was an interesting transition. There were guys, you know, um, who I'd been, you know, teammates and locker locker room mates with. And then I went into, you know, the authority role, the coaching role. And, you know, there was some transition that went with that, but, um, by and large, I think that went pretty well. Um, a lot of what I learned early on, in my coaching career was, was how much of what's expected of a head coach is, is really outside of the practice room. Um, you know, the recruiting, the, you know, in our case, the alumni relations and, you know, in, inspiring, you know, your fan base and, you know, working with your administration. There were so many aspects that, you know, were outside of the, the practice room. And I think most young coaches will, will share that, you know, initial impression. So, um, you know, and, and there was a there was a history of the University of Pennsylvania wrestling program that I, I didn't really even know as an undergrad, and um, I started looking into that just to see you know how much there was to celebrate. Um, you know, learning the Penn you know hosted the first college tournament ever you know in 1905. So um, you know the very beginnings wow. of college wrestling happening on our campus and um, at and the Plestra. Uh, it was actually the Plestra wasn't even built then. Oh, oh wow. So there was okay. a, there still is a gym. It's uh it's now that hosts all the administrative offices for Penn Athletics. It's Waitman Hall, which oh. is actually connected to Franklin Field. So on the second floor of Waitman Hall is a little gym. You can still walk up into it. Um, but that's where the first uh, college wrestling tournament of all time took place. You know, and then I kept reading into the the history and there was um wrestling that was happening on Penn's campus in, in the 1890s and guys going out and winning the AAU national championships and, you know, dual meets happening, you know, around 1900 with some of the early, you know, pioneers of the sport. And then that first tournament. Um, so, you know, so we had this, you know, great, you know, long list of alumni and, you know, the legacy of the program. And so early on in my career, I thought, you know, this is something really to celebrate. Um, and, um, and then starting to get, you know, kind of galvanize our alumni behind this idea of, 
you know, this next chapter of pen wrestling and get excited about it. You know, the, the alumni relations and the fundraising that goes with that. So, um, so early on, I started to expand the idea of what it meant to be a coach. Oh yeah. A lot more, a lot more than just, uh, you know, uh, high crotches and doubles, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So fundraising for the, the program, is that done through grapplers club? Is that yeah, so the, the Grapplers Club, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, that also has a really tremendous history. So the Grapplers Club was founded in 1937 by an, an incredible gentleman by the name of Dr. W. Austin Bishop. And Austin Bishop, you know, he's a Pennsylvania Wrestling Hall of Famer. You know, he was kind of considered the, the Johnny Appleseed of, of wrestling in Pennsylvania. Um, so you know, he went up and founded you know, what today is one of the top high school or the, maybe the top high school program in the country, Wyoming Seminary. Um, and then he came down to Penn in the late 30s and, and took over as head coach. And at that time, he established the Pennsylvania Grapplers Club, you know, which, you know, is the very first booster club for collegiate wrestling in the United States. So again, another first, you know, for Penn wrestling. First, first college tournament and first... First fundraising booster, booster club, club, you know, right. And so, you know, and when he, when he founded that um, it was to do two things. One is to promote the sport of intercollegiate wrestling at the university of Pennsylvania. And two is, these are the words, encourage good fellowship of those interested therein. <laughs> right. That's how the bylaws read. And so Austin was very formal and very proper. Um, and I share a story. This was really a lot of fun and, and kind of brought me back into you know, the, the richness of the history of the sport at our school. But when I first took over as head coach, I had a number of letters come in, you know, this is pre-email, right? I'm dating myself, but here are these handwritten letters come in and, you know, people wishing me well and offering congratulations and whatnot. I was very, very heartwarming. And, and one day I opened up a letter, beautiful penmanship, three pages long, you know, dated very, very proper, um, and, and it was from Dr. W. Austin Bishop. And he uh -huh. talked about when, you know, he took over the program and sat in the same seat that I was sitting in at that moment. Um, it, he had inherited a program that was in the doldrums and, you know, they worked very hard and in different ways to elevate the program to where they were undefeated in dual meets and, you know, top two in the EIWAs, top 10 in the, in the national tournament, um, undefeated all-time wrestler Dick DiBattista. Um, and I, you know, they had, uh, I guess, a varsity at JV and um, a freshman team meet against Lehigh. And across all three of those meets, they only lost one match. Wow. So here he had built this program incredibly in, you know, a matter of like six years or so. And I started feeling like, oh my gosh, this guy's uh, pressuring me with some old time news here. I'm just this young coach and I'm trying to get. So I sat down, Kevin, and I wrote back what I thought was a very <laughs> polite reply. And, you know, explaining that the Ivy League had been formed and there was no scholarships for athletics and, you know, very high admission standards. And, you know, we'll work very hard, you know, but uh, we have a lot of challenges to overcome. And I sealed that letter and, and sent it back to Austin. And uh, about two weeks later, another letter comes in. Again, beautiful <laughs> penmanship, three pages long. And he went into great detail about the challenges that he had when he took the program over and how he overcame them. Um, one example of which was really amazing. He would literally go down physically to the oil refineries down by the Schuylkill River, introduce himself and ask for jobs for young student wrestlers who wanted to put themselves through Penn. And he started to line up these jobs in the oil refinery that paid really well. And then he started recruiting out of Oklahoma because those guys knew how to run oil pipe. And, and they could wrestle. And could wrestle. <laughs> and he recruited a national champion assistant coach, Harry Broadbent, from the University of Oklahoma to help recruit those Oklahoma kids. That's Here in the 30s, he's recruiting Oklahoma and, and plugging them into jobs that would pay their tuition for Penn. Oh, that's great. So in great detail, he explained the problems that he faced and how he overcame. And then the very end of that second letter, he closed with, so how do you propose you'll solve your problems? <laughs> so and what thought, are your thoughts at that moment? I'm, am I under, I'm under the spotlight now or is he? 
my my immediate thought was i have to meet this man and so i arranged a meeting and, and austin was in a retirement home out in near lancaster pennsylvania where he grew up and um what an incredible um what an incredible meeting i found out he was a, an official in the olympic games in los angeles in 1932 he was the head official uh, for the 1936 Olympic Games, which were in Berlin, Germany. Right. Wow. Right. And, you know, he had this, you know, illustrious career afterwards. He was the athletic director at Franklin and Marshall. He was the head of vice president of the University of Pennsylvania for Human Resources and just this wealth of information. And became a, a great friend. And um, as we started to think about what the program needed, we talked about endowment and, um, I asked for him if he would help me to go to his former wrestlers and, and help create the endowment. And, and uh, he agreed. And as we went out and started meeting those wrestlers, we also asked Austin if he would be willing to lend his name to it. So our first endowment for, for wrestling at the University of Pennsylvania is the Austin Bishop Endowment. That's incredible. And he was, he was you said he's in a nursing home as he's writing these letters to you. Mm -hmm. Right. So he was, he was in a, he was in a retirement home. He was in his eighties, okay. um, but still very active. Um, and he, he would, he would drive himself to Florida every year somehow, barely looking over the steering wheel, I guess. And, um, but, you know, he started to go out to some events um, and help us fundraise. And then at one point we finally uh, decided to have a reunion of his, his best undefeated team. And, and they came back together 50 years. They hadn't seen each other. And we had just an incredible reunion. People shared their, you know, their life's journeys with each other. And, uh, and then at the end of the, the reception, just before we had a pen dual meet that they came back to watch. And um, just before we went over to the dual meet, he assembled them like any good coach would in weight class order, the front seated, <laughs> the, the, the back and back, the taller ones in back, the upper weights in back. And there it was. And they looked like a, they looked like a really good team still. So it was pretty inspiring. Oh, that's awesome. What a great story. Yeah. Well, so then that kind of developed, you know, the grapplers club is still active to this day. Yeah. Correct. It is. It, um, you know, it continues to operate. It's operated every, every year since 1937. Um, yeah, we do a number of different things. We've got three main subcommittees, you know, within the grapplers club right now. One is fundraising. Uh, the second is what's called personal and professional development. So a lot of our um, mentor network where alumni come back and help with professional mentoring for the undergrads. Um, and we match them up in their sophomore year, the undergrads sophomore year with an alum who's out there working in the area they think they might want to go into. Um, so they build relationship and, um, you know, it leads to just really good opportunities you know, whether they're internships or, you know, full-time employment or graduate school. Um, so that's the second area. And the third area is what we call marketing and communications. And, you know, that comes, uh, comes down to our alumni communications, um, you know, our social media, our hard copy news, newsletters, um, and then also events, you know, that we host, um, whether it's our homecoming or the Keystone Classic or, you know, big dual meets that we have. And we've got some other really exciting events coming up on the, on the horizon. I know we'll talk about a little bit later, but right. um, those are the three main areas that the, the grapplers club, you know, works with. And it's a, a advisory uh, group um, as part of the university of Pennsylvania athletics um, you know, kind of oversight and, um, and, and recognized, you know, just a couple of years ago, you know, with Brett Motter as its uh, president, um, as the sports board of the year of all the 33 sports at Penn. So they've been very active, very effective, and, you know, a lot of energy and enthusiasm. Lot, lots of support uh, behind you, Roger, even from day one, you know, with the Grapplers Club, alumni, Austin. I mean, yep. it's incredible what you, you, you know, you've had behind you. So in your first stint, um, yeah, you were very successful. Um, but in particular, a couple guys you coach, Brett, Brett Motter, mm -hmm. Matt Valeni, Brandon Slay. Mm -hmm. um, they're still active, actively involved with your program, right? I mean, they were phenomenal athletes 
and now they're still part of what you're doing, right? Yep. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, for all of us, you know, a big part of what we're trying to build is that, is that community. Um, you know, wrestling's always, you know, had a family feeling to me as a, you know, even, even with competitors, there's, you know, that sense of respect, you know, within the sport of wrestling, which I think is, is, you know, really phenomenal, something I'm very grateful for, something I've been really, you know, really blessed to, to have my kids grow up, you know, in that kind of community. Um, and so with Brandon and, you know, Brett and Matt, you know, continuing to be able to work with them on a daily basis. Um, I mean, it's just really special, right? So um, those relationships are that like, I'm assuming that's what brought you back. I mean, you took a, took a break. I think you were done in 2005, right? Yep. Yeah. I stepped down in 2005. You know, at that point it was my 19th year as head coach. I was, you know, in my early forties and and my children, Dave and Lindsay, they were nine and seven at the time. And it was largely a family decision, you know, really to, to spend more time with them. Um, And it was also a time, you know, from a, you know, career standpoint, competitive standpoint, where, you know, I'll say humbly, but we had, we had accomplished, you know, quite a bit and, um, you know, had top 20, top 15, top 10, you know, finishing NCAA teams. You know, we had multiple Americans on teams, you know, several years in a row and, you know, Brett, Brett Motter winning the NCAA tournament, Um, you know, Brandon going on to win the Olympic games after, you know, two-time NCAA final appearances. Um, and I just kind of felt like, uh, and we'd also strung together, you know, a bunch of EIWA titles and Ivy league titles. Um, and I just kind of felt this guy that, that never really intended never really set out to be a wrestling coach. You know, maybe there's something else out there and, um, you know, maybe it's something that allows me to spend more time with my kids too, as they were going through their middle school and high school careers, important times in their lives. Yeah. So, so I stepped away at that point and, you know, I worked for Penn Medicine for a few years um, in development, and then um, I'd always had an interest in technology and um, and got up into the uh, into the startup world and, and worked for several different startups. You know, pretty much for for a decade, and then you know when I came back to Penn, I came back in the athletic administration. So um, my title was a, a senior associate athletic director, and I was in charge of all of our external affairs. So. You know, that covered our, our marketing, our communicate, athletic communications office, um, you know, all of our sports sponsorships, corporate sponsorships, um, and then, you know, all the events that we would host, including the Penn Relays um, and other events that would come in. So basically all revenue that was not, you know, philanthropic, not donations. Um, and Dr. Calhoun, Grace Calhoun, had just come on as our new athletic director at Penn. Uh, I was really inspired by her vision and you know, she's very student athlete experience focused. Um, and I thought, hey, this is you know, going to be a position that's going to allow me to um, you know, build on a lot of the experiences I had learned in the startup world um, and apply them to my alma mater. Um, and at the same time, Kevin, you know, we were in the process of launching the, the PRTC. So um, myself, Brett, Brandon, Dave Patrick, Clint Motter, um, you know, we're the founders of the PRTC back in 2014. So I thought, yeah, if I'm in uh, athletic administration and, and can help launch this, you know, Olympic regional training center and wrestling, you know, that seems like a really good fit. So, um, so that's what, you know, ultimately drew me back. Right. Drew you back into coaching. Once you got that PR, the PRTC set up, you, now you can you get that feeling again. Right. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, it was, um, I was really happy with my role in athletic administration. And then um, I did help, you know, coach some of our guys at the 2016 Olympic trials, Richard Perry, you know, in particular. Yep. Um, and yeah, walking onto the floor of Carver Hawkeye Arena with Richard. And, you know, he had a, a wild match. He led most of the match against Kyle Dake. Kyle Dake came back at the very end to, you know, to win the bout, but Richard started proving himself as, as one of the fastest improving senior guys in the country. Um, but I was still very intent on the administrative career, but um, at that time, um, we, we had a change in, in the head coaches at Penn, and I got asked by our administration and our alumni um, if I would consider coming back, you know, to take the program over. And like I said, the, 
you know, the first time I, I was offered the position, I thought it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. And here we are second time. And um, I just kind of shook my head and I was like, I, you know, I can't believe this is, this is happening again. Um, but to your point, you know, the, the community of wrestling people and, and the people in and around, you know, Penn's program, you know, where I've had the deepest experience, you know, has just been, you know, like no other, you know, and um, so the, the thought of working with them, um, you know, was really, you know, inspiring. And at the same time, my, my children were now, you know, my, my son, David was in college. My daughter was a year away from going to college and, you know, I'd been with them through their, their middle school and high school, you know, time. And I just thought, you know, man, this is an interesting, interesting time. So I, I, reached out to a number of our uh, key alumni and just asked them what they thought and asked them, you know, um, if I didn't make that decision, you know, would, you know, would they be there with me? Would they, you know, were they up for this next journey? And, and every one of them was like, yeah, if you're in, we're in, let's, you know, let's go do something big. So that's, you know, that's what I needed to hear. Right. That they, they, They're going to help you out. You got yeah. the backing. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll tell you what, Roger, you know, go back a little bit. When we first met, um, I think it was right around 2004, maybe where you were hosting the Dave Schultz wrestling club mm-hmm. for high schoolers at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I reached out to you to see if I could help out with the club. And my reasons for doing that were that I couldn't really coach a team full time because I had my own kids who were middle school age and I wanted to spend time with them, but Hey, if I can meet up with these guys on Sundays and, and, and help out, um, that'd be awesome. And it was, and I appreciate that opportunity that you gave me back then. Um, so talking about Dave Schultz and how you had brought that club to Penn, can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, how you got that started, how Dave Schultz club got started at Penn and then where, where it kind of led to, and if it transitioned into PRTC, is that. Yeah. 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 I think that does tie together. Um, Yeah. You know, when obviously just a, you know, tragic um, scenario, Dave, um, Dave killed, he, he had become a great personal friend, of mine and um and i think there's a whole lot of people that would all say also say that about dave he um at this memorial service i think it was said that he had ten thousand best friends but they all mm-hmm. felt like they were you know the best friend and and he right. just had that kind of um spirit about him right and but i'd spent a lot of years with dave actually we we climbed a fair amount we rock climbed a lot together you know outside of wrestling activities and um you know, when, when the tragedy, you know, did occur um, and he was killed, we got together with, you know, Nancy Schultz and um, a lot of the Foxcatcher guys at the time. And the immediate thought was, you know, how are we going to get these guys through, you know, the Atlanta games, which were six months later. So Dave was killed on January 26, 1996. And um, the Atlanta games were in August of that year. Um, so there were a lot of guys, Brian Dolph was an assistant coach of mine at the time and a contender and Trevor Lewis and Dan shade and a bunch of guys. So we went about on a, an immediate effort, um, to fundraise, you know, to, um, just be able to support these guys uh, at the level. So they can for, keep training. Yeah. So they could keep training and, and try and make that Olympic team. And, and what happened along the way, um, is that, you know, the, the people, um, who loved Dave and, and loved the Schultz family, you know, kind of rallied around, um, you know, making that happen for the, for the wrestlers, but in the process, helping each other, you know, um, supporting each other, you know, helping, you know, just helping heal, um, you know, through that, you know, terrible tragedy. And um, again, Chris Corpel, you know, was a, a driving force behind that. Chris was a the head coach at Stanford university at the time. And, you know, someone who had taken Dave up, uh, under his wing when Dave was in high school mm-hmm. and really helped propel his career, you know, just, you know, to the national international level, still as a teenager. Um, and Chris was a tremendous organizer. We worked really closely with him. So, you know, the Dave Schultz wrestling club was really an umbrella organization, you know, probably very much like a, you know, a Titan Mercury or the NYAC these days, it was an overarching club 
Um, but it had several different sites where people were training, um, you know, and, and Nebraska, University of Nebraska at the time was, um, Stanford was, Cal, Cal Bakersfield was, Steve Neal. Um, and so, and then we'd go to the national tournament and these people would come from, you know, all their various sites and come together and, and wear the green of the Dave Schultz Wrestling Club and, um, and Nancy would be there, part of it. Um, so, you know, so that's how it started, um, you know, as a college and senior level club. And then what I did at Penn was we started a, a high school level, uh, basically a development level. And I, I recruited Glenn Pritzloff to come down. Glenn had just won the NCAA championship at Penn State right. um, and just a great IQ for the sport. Really incredible. Um, and we, we looked across the country. If there's anybody we could get down here, you know, at Penn to be around our program this year, who would it be? And, and we thought Glenn was that guy. So we went after him um, and we kind of said, you know, hey, you know, we want to build something here with this high school club and we want you to be in charge of it. And, you know, part of your compensation is that we're going to build this club and kind of fly the plane and build it at the same time. Um, and we did it pretty successfully and, and the surrounding community really got behind it. And we got up to where we had about 160 kids on a, on a year would come in and participate on those Sundays, you know, where right. you came in and, and helped coach. So, yeah. And Glenn's wow. phenomenal. And he was a perfect choice for that, for sure. Yeah. And he had grown up, um, you know, in high school, driving down from North Jersey to train with Dave. So he had a, right. a place in his heart, you know, for Dave and the family and to represent. And, Dave, and Glenn ended up being with our program for about six years. Um, and we had a lot of high school guys, you know, who came through that program that went off and, and wrestled division one. But I think even more guys who just appreciated, you know, that, you know, that opportunity to train under the Schultz umbrella on Sundays with us. Well, it's the, the, the original uh, setup that you had for Dave Schultz at Penn sounds very similar to what you have now with the PRTC because yep. you're bringing in the high school kids, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about when you decided to, in 2014, when you started to build the PRTC? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, that we were, we're hearing consistently was, you know, the RTC development across the country, which they really proliferated, you know, and I think back when we were running the Schultz club, you know, there might've been a, a couple of RTC like organizations, you know, I think of the Hawkeye club, you know, the Gable was coaching and, um, and the Branzes and, you know, all those other Hawkeye guys came through and, um, and there might've been a few others, but, you know, nothing like there is today. So, you know, we, we launched it in August of 2014, knowing that there would be, you know, three levels that we would be um, committed to serving. And if you think of it like a, like a pyramid, the base of the pyramid, the largest group, you know, would be the high school wrestlers who are RTC qualified. And to be qualified, you have to place either in the top six of your freestyle or Greco-Roman state tournament or the top four at one of the USA wrestling regional tournaments or, or top eight in Fargo. So you qualify through, you know, um, either Greco or freestyle. Um, once you're qualified, you know, then as a high school student, you can come down and, and train at an RTC as long as you live within 250 miles, a 250 mile radius, you know, of that uh, training location. So for us, you know, I think in all of New Jersey, almost all of Pennsylvania, um, Long Island and the Southern tier in New York, you know, all the way down to Northern Virginia. I mean, it's just a tremendous wrestling hotbed, just rich with uh, tradition and talent. And so, you know, we thought this is, would be a great service to the community and, and um, you know, great opportunity for these high school guys to come in and they can train, you know, with the senior level guys and with college RTC guys. Um, so that's the base of the pyramid. Let's say the, the mid-level of the pyramid are the college guys. And um, in our case, you know, when we decided we wanted to launch the, the PRTC, we um, went over to Drexel and we asked them if they wanted to partner with us, if they'd be interested in doing that. And here you've got two Division One programs whose campuses are literally, you know, side by side. Right. In University City in, in Philly. And um, Matt Azevedo has a, you know, great coach, great freestyle IQ and um, his athletic department, uh, our athletic department, Matt Valenti and others, you know, came together and we agreed this would be a really smart idea. 
Um, and what that leads to is. I'll tell you, you know, what, that, said, that says a lot about, you know, not only you and Matt as coaches, competitors, right? Yeah. Uh, you're in the same conference, right? Yeah. It says a lot about your athletic departments and your schools in general, you yeah. know, that, hey, you know, let, let's work together here selflessly and 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 help the community, help the, the future of wrestling. That's yeah. It's unheard of across the country, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it was the the first of its kind, and it, it's the the only Division One, two schools, two Division One schools partnering together that you know that has sustained in this way, you know, since 2014. So now we're seven years. We're in August. It'll be seven years of partnership, and um, you know, delivering you know twice the number of college athletes, twice the number of coaches, and then you've got alumni from both schools that are helping support. You know, the RTC, which is a nonprofit, it's a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, so, again, fundraising, you know, is a big part of what we're doing here. Um, but, it, you know, it's been a great partnership and, and we love going out to the national tournaments, you know, and wearing the same colors, wearing the same singlets, um, you know, sitting in the same area in the bleachers and working together. And um, and so then at, at the very top of the pyramid are, are the senior level guys. Um, and as you know, I'm sure, you know, we've had a, a massive uh, success in terms of the re recruiting of senior level guys this past year. When we, and we got Joey McKenna, who came on, I guess, just about a year and a half ago now. Um, Joey just won the Pan American Games down in Guatemala and was a finalist at the uh, Olympic trials. So he's the you know, Olympic alternate, um, you know, just some, some great performances, you know, huge wins over James Green and Zane Rutherford at the Olympic trials. And um, then you got Ethan Lezak, you know, you, we recruited in Mark Hall from Penn state um, recruited in you know, Dave McFadden, Virginia tech's first four-time all American um, Ben Hannes, you know, Moro Carrenti. Um, and then, you know, if that wasn't enough, we've got, you know, the greatest wrestler of the modern era, Jordan Burroughs, um, who's going to be moving to Philadelphia and is with his family here in July. Um, and Jordan just grew up, you know, Sicklerville, New Jersey, 20 miles from Philadelphia. And this is a this is home. Re this is his returning home. home. Yeah. Right. The athlete yeah. returning home to to finish off his career. He's committed to wrestling through uh, 2024 Paris Games. And um, he's going to be moving up to 79 kilos for the world team trials in September. I think is a really smart move. Um, so here we have these senior level guys, you know, that mentoring, working out with, you know, helping coach guys on and off the mat, um, you know, pouring into the college guys, you know, and, and this, you know, kind of, you know, pyramid of, of PRTC athletes at, at all three levels. Right. And, and speaking of the college guys, so now once again, you know, your guys are able to train through the summer with them. You know, I mean, around world-class athletes. I mean, you can't get much better than Jordan Burroughs. That's for sure. Um, so your, your program now, I mean, this is your third year back. Yeah, actually just, uh, I've had three recruiting classes and this was my fourth year coaching, um, since I came back fourth year. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, but only, it'll only be the four, uh, third competitive year. Right. So you that's know, right. Yeah. Cause that's we right. lost the year to COVID. So what do you think? I mean, a lot of your guys are doing well in the off season in at, at these national level tournaments. Um, is that going to translate? Do you think? Well, that's certainly the game plan. Um, <laughs> and typically it, it, it's a pretty good predictor, you know, right. the, um, you know, the fact that the USA wrestling offers these age group championships, the UWW juniors and the U23s you know, allows guys to compete in freestyle and Greco at the national level in their age category. Um, and we had some guys, you know, wrestle at the national open um, back in the fall, Doug Zaff and Ben Golden both went to the senior open. Uh, we had six college guys wrestle in the last chance Olympic trials qualifier. So we gave them a taste, you know, of the senior mm -hmm. level, okay. but, you know, allowing them to wrestle at U23 and, and, you know, UWW juniors, basically 20 and under, um, I think is a really good indicator of how are they doing against their old, their own age group at the national level. You know, we look back, uh, coach Pearsall and I have looked back over, you know, the past 
you know, three years in terms of the competitive results. And we put up 25 All-Americans um, in either freestyle or Greco um, in those years. So 25 All-American placings, you know, several right. guys who placed multiple times. Right. Um, right. Anthony Ortolona has um, four All-American placings. Jason, Jake Hendricks has four as well. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we're getting guys on the podium. And, you know, this past week in Lincoln, you know, we had four additional um, All-Americans, uh, Max Hale uh, from Pennsylvania and Doug Zaff, both from Downingtown West High School here, local guys, right. um, both placed at the national level for the first time in their careers. So wow. when you see that happening and you see that development, these guys feel their progress um, and some really gutty, gritty wins. Doug Zaff, um, was down by a point with 45 seconds in the um, round of 12, the blood round, if you will, you know, against an NCAA All-American from this past year and just put on a flurry of offense, chain wrestling, you know, but it went down to 30 seconds. He still hadn't got the takedown. He went down to 15 seconds, 10 seconds, five seconds in on a shot that he finished with two seconds left to win the match by a point and end up, you know, getting into the All-American status for the first time in his career. So, you know, Doug was just really happy about that. And, um, you know, we're just thrilled to see him, you know, pour on the offense the way he did. Um, he's going to be really exciting, you know, to watch going forward. Yeah, I mean, he's getting a taste of it. These guys are getting a taste of that success, for one thing. But the pressure, you know, he, he, you know, he was laying it all on the line against an All-American. Yeah. And he yeah. pulled it out. So, you know, as a former coach, I, you know, that's the thing you're looking for. Like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, if that kid can, if he realizes he can do it there, why can't he do it over here? Why can't that's he right. do it in the fall or in the winter? You know, that's and, right. and another real, you know, you ask about how does this predict in terms of, you know, collegiate success, you know, we had um, Anthony Artelona came back. He had halfway through his sophomore year, 2019, 2020, um, he had an injury that ended his season and, um, you know, so, uh, you know, it took Anthony a while to get back on the mat and, um, then it took him some more time to round into form, um, you know, but he's had tremendous success. I mean, he's three time, you know, Fargo national champion in freestyle, multiple time, you know, uh, finalist in Greco, um, but, you know, he it took him a while to round back into form. But this past weekend, you know, one of his signature wins, he, had, he beat Yaya Thomas from Northwestern, who was third in the NCAAs. Uh, and Anthony won that match seven to two. Wow. So, yeah, like you say, you know, not only they get a taste of it and they get that sense of confidence, Kevin. But um, in addition, you know, their training partners who are working out with those guys every day or start looking at each other and we go, wait a minute, if he can do it. I'm doing the same thing he's doing, you know, and then that's when it, I think it starts. It becomes to contagious. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And I think that that's what we're having right now, you know, like uh, to use the climbing analogy. And I use, I love, I love using climbing analogies, um, but I feel like we've got base camp set and, and now we're ready to start summiting some mountains. Right. Um, Higher I, mountains. I think that's programmatically where we are. You know, we've got some guys who are ready to, you know, to, to ascend some higher mountains. So you'll have a full, you'll have the full crew back next or for this fall. Right. Yep. And you're adding at least six incoming freshmen. Yep. Um, and looking at some of those names, if you want to go through them, the, you got some talent coming in. Can you share? Yeah. Yeah. We're really pleased. All these guys, um, we put this out on our press release and um, we've got from Ohio, from St. Edward High School in Ohio, which you know had been a really great feeder for, program for us back in my previous stint. Richie Del Santer. These Ohio guys, you know, they were hit like like our guys. The NCAA tournament was canceled that same year. Um, a year ago, the Ohio State tournament was canceled. So Richie was poised to, to contend for a state title his junior year, but that tournament never happened. And then Fargo didn't happen that summer. And I think Richie was flying under the radar. Um, but this year he really broke out. Um, he, you know, won the state championship in his weight class, but he also captained uh, St. Ed's uh, dominant run to a team state title. 
So from a leadership standpoint, you know, he brings it as well as his own individual accomplishments. And then just recently, he won the Central uh, Plains in freestyle and beat the number 10 ranked wrestler um, across, you know, all weights in the country. So we felt he was under the radar. I think he's proven it. I, I, you know, he's, I think he's going to be a, an impact guy. Um, and then from North Jersey, Kelly, Kelly Dunnigan. Um, Kelly's placed high in Fargo, fourth in Fargo, fourth in the Cadet World Team Trials, uh, two-time finalist in the New Jersey State Championships, and, and just a lot, of, a lot of great experience and credentials. Um, from South Jersey, Hunter Gandy, who um, you know, we've been hearing great things about. We've been tracking him for a number of years. Um, he had a really strong state tournament run, you know, came up just shy in the semis, but came back for a strong third. Um, and also a lot of national level experience, you know, 100, went 110 and 18 career record in high school. So um, he's from, uh, from South Jersey, right in the area. And also from the area is Kyle Hauserman. Um, you know, Kyle had a great run for Council Rock, um, you know, placed high at, uh, at Super 32, you know, one Powerade, um, you know, multiple state place winner. Uh, unfortunately was wrestling um, injured this year still, still took a third in the state tournament, um, but he was not hundred percent. And, you know, we think, you know, Kyle's gonna, gonna do great things in college. And then um, also wrestling injured this year, but still, you know, having strong performance, Nico Nardone, you know, he's been ranked as high as uh, 20th in the country across all weights. He's from Del Barton, um, you know, and, and Nico also tremendous, you know, high school career record, 103 wins, 17 losses on a really, really tough schedule. Um, and then two other guys, Cole Spencer from Western Pennsylvania. Um, Cole's a, a tremendous athlete. He quarterbacked their uh, football team to a state championship and, um, and then also placed, uh, placed high in the PIAAs, lost a close semifinal match by a point, went on to take third, um, then, then went on to take, win the freestyle state championship. And then this past weekend went undefeated down at the Virginia Beach um, NHSCA dual meet. Uh, you, tournament you, so you got to love the multi-sport athlete that chooses wrestling for his college career yeah. I love it fortunately for us he, he's not tall enough to be a football a d1 football player as a quarterback so <laughs> okay um but he's got that same kind of you know leadership mentality and and uh and then finally in this class is the younger brother of cole urbis lance urbis um oh. and this is really fun for me kevin lance is the the 20th brother combination that, that I'll have the, the honor of coaching in my career at Penn. 20th. Uh, so 20, 20 siblings have come through and wrestled together, you know, um, and Lance will join his brother, Cole. Cole was a freshman NCAA qualifier for us. Um, just placed uh, all American placing out at the U 23s in, in far in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and Lance is someone also who we think is a little bit under the radar. He, uh, finished fourth at the PIAA tournament this year, large school division, um, but is really starting to uh, to hit kind of a, some breakthrough levels. Um, and, and we think he's going to be really impactful. He, he, he knocked off a pretty highly ranked, nationally ranked guy at the Northeast Regionals. Um, so those are the, the six guys we've got coming in here next year. So with these guys coming in and the guys that you got coming back and everybody's, you know, putting the time in this summer, uh, jumping levels, the, the palestra is going to be on fire. It sounds like this winter. What do you think? Uh, that's, that's <laughs> what we want. It's a palestra is a Greek word. It means house of wrestling. And, um, you know, that for us, it's a incredibly special place to compete. Um, and I think as our guys, um, you know, take the mat more and more in the palestra. It's, uh, you know, part of it is just the acoustics. It, it has this ability, you know, where a hundred people to sound like a thousand and a thousand sound like 10,000. And um, it really gets rocking. And, and I think we've got the kind of guys who, you know, are really excited about that environment. Um, you know, we're really emphasizing that offensive style, you know, back to Doug Zaff and being able to hit, you know, five, six, you know, legitimate, you know, attacks, attack after attack in that final 45 seconds. I mean, we want that, that kind of offensive style up and down our lineup. Um, we always host the Keystone tournament. It's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Um, so that's coming up here in November. That's a definite, that's definitely on. Yep. 
Yep. Okay, Sunday good. before Thanksgiving. Yes. It's going to be a really good field here. You know, we don't have it quite finalized to announce yet, but we're pretty close. We've got some different teams coming in. Um, in addition to, you know, a lot of the returning teams that, that always want to come back to the Keystone. Um, and then, you know, we're looking at early December uh, for a date with Penn State for them to return their, their dual meet. We were up there two years ago. This was a, a home and home agreement. Um, so it looks like early December we'll have the Nittany Lions, you know, coming into the Palestra. Wow, on that's our schedule. Yep. So yeah, we gotta be, highlight uh, that. That's for, that's awesome. Yep, that'll be like a championship environment, and then and then we got Oregon State coming in this year. You know, West Coast team. Um, so uh, Chris Pendleton took the program over. They're coming east, so we're excited to have them come in and. Um, really good schedule next year with with the Midlands Midlands for us on the road and Virginia duels. Um, so we think we've got the right schedule lined up for for these guys to sink their teeth into. Are you heading uh, West Coast at all or is that every other year or how does that work? Yeah, we, we typically go West. We've got a really strong alumni base in, in San Francisco in the Bay Area and we're just delighted. You know, Stanford was able to save their program. Um, so, you know, we'll look to go out to Stanford, you know, typically every, every two or three years okay, uh, and get there and, you know, get in there with our alumni base out in the Bay area. So, uh, so not this upcoming year, but, you know, hopefully here in the Subsequent years. next couple of years or so. So you're, you're hosting the EIWAs as well. We are. Um, and the Plester has been a, you know, it's been a Mecca for, you know, big time wrestling events over the years between the. NWCA all-star meet, you know, the conference tournament, which we've hosted just a bunch of times. Um, and we're delighted to be hosting the conference tournament again in 2023. Um, so bringing the EIWA championships to the Palestra, um, having our guys compete for NCAA berths on their home mats. You know, we're super excited about that. And for the community to come in and see, you know, some of the best college wrestling in the country, you know, and you know, we know this Philadelphia wrestling ecosystem between you know, Penn, Drexel, the PRTC, Beat the Streets, um, and just the, the strength of uh, youth and scholastic wrestling in this community. Um, we look to fill the palestra up for that EIWA championships. Right. I'm sure you will. There's no doubt. And then NCAAs in 2025. So the very first college wrestling tournament was in 1905 at Waitman Hall, right? Right. And 120 years later, it's coming back to Philly. Yeah. So this NCAA tournament is a welcome home theme. Yeah. Right? The wrestling community. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And Exciting yeah. times for, for Penn wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think, you know, for Penn wrestling, but also, you know, the, you know, for the surrounding community and it's just really special when you see, you know, PRTC senior athletes, you know, like Joey McKenna, um, Dave McFadden, you know, Mark Hall, you know, um, influencing, contributing to the efforts of Beat the Streets. Um, right. And then when we have the Beat the Streets come in, you know, to, to watch us compete at the Keystone, um, you know, or we go out and do clinics or they come in and, uh, you know, to RTC practices for high schools. You know, just these organizations working together, lifting each other up. I mean, that's what that's what we're talking about with Philly wrestling. Right. Um, so, um, yeah. Well, so it, it, it's, it's one thing with, you know, you mentioned Mark Hall and David and Joey, you know, getting involved with Beat the Streets and and the PRTC involvement. But um, I know that several of your uh, athletes uh, help with the mentoring program. Is that true? Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're committed to that um, 100%. And, and this year we had around 25 guys from the Penn team who served as mentors, volunteer mentors um, to some of these beat the streets wrestlers, you know, from throughout the city. Um, and tough year for all of us, you know, in the pandemic, but, you know, for these kids, you know, not able to go to school in person, not able to, to wrestle in person, to have another voice, to have a you know, near peer mentor in age, you know, work with them. Um, I mean, I think it was a really valuable experience, you know, for the beat the streets wrestlers, but honestly, Kevin, I think 
maybe even a more valuable experience for the college guys who were who were the mentors. You know, as they learn how to give, they learn how to help lift somebody else up. You know, we well, wrestling that. is an in, in inherently individual sport, you know, and you're focused your entire career on yourself. This is an opportunity for them to step outside themselves and and do make a difference in another person's life. I mean, that's yeah. it's yeah. life changing on both ends. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm not sure who the bigger beneficiary is, really. And, right. and that's a beautiful thing. Right. And you could see like some of these, because I've been to a couple of the clinics that the PRTC guys do, and you could see some of these kids, they have pen t-shirts that they wear. They're very proud. I mean, they don't go to school there, but they, you know, they're proud of being involved and being connected. Yeah. That's, that's community, you know, and and we're proud to be involved with, you know, with the beat the streets efforts. Um, They're making an incredible impact on the community and, you know, they, they were recognized, you know, the Wanamaker Awards for the, you know, the top sporting, um, you know, recognition awards in the city of Philadelphia from professional to college to youth sports. You know, the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl was the same year that the Beat the Streets organization was recognized as the top community sports organization in the city. Hmm. And um, when you look at the graduation rates of the kids that are involved with Beat the Streets compared to the overall graduation rate, it's just incredible um, to stop and take notice of the impact that that wrestling and this near-to-peer mentoring is having on these young people. Right, right. No doubt. One last question I have for you. Um, thinking back to W. Austin Bishop, okay? What do you think he, he'd be thinking right now as far as where you brought the program from when you were 25, four years old, you know, writing, mailing letters back and forth every two weeks? <laughs> what do you think he'd think now as, as far as what you have built? Well, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I suspect Coach Bishop, you know, we have a picture of him in the, in the kind of the film area, the lounge of, of the wrestling complex at Penn. And he always has this kind of distinguished smile on him. And I hope he would be smiling a little bit at what we're doing, you know, with the sport of wrestling, you know, to enrich the, the lives of so many people in the community. And, um, I suspect, I suspect he would be very encouraging that it continued to good, the good work and being the coach that he was, I suspect he'd have five or six pointers that probably would help us, help us <laughs> right. get to the next level. So I'll uh, just have to do my best thinking how to, how to honor that. But uh, I love that question. Yeah. He'd be proud. No doubt. Well, coach, thanks a lot for taking some time. I appreciate it. Uh, I know you're busy and um, you know, we'll be, talking soon hopefully sounds great kevin again appreciate all you do for for wrestling in our community thank you for listening to this episode of philly wrestling if you like what you hear please leave a comment subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes until then please enjoy clementine an original song from my favorite philly band human illusion <laughs>